I fear not the dark itself, but what may lurk within it. Welcome to Lurk, bringing you creepy, strange, and bone-chilling stories with your host, Jamie Jackson. Lurkers, welcome to episode 51. And that means happy birthday to the podcast. April 4th is our one year mark. So thank you very much for continuing to listen and to share the podcast. It's been a crazy year in general, but also for the podcast, as it has changed quite a bit since it launched. It's gone through a couple different transformations. And I'm hoping that in the future, it transforms a little bit more and we're able to branch out into a couple different directions. Um, There are a couple of different things that I'm thinking about doing here to add a little bit of variety to the podcast. So you're not just listening to me tell you a story. I want to bring on some guest hosts. Angelina will be back. And uh, my brother also wants to come on. Ethan is talking about ideas for different podcast topics that he wants to do and join in on. I also want to be able to do some interviews with different people. And I also would like to try to do some episodes where they are recorded on site at different haunted locations. So you're part of the investigation that's going on. Just a couple of different ideas. If you have an idea or a thought, please send it our way. Any suggestion you have for improvement, please let me know. I am totally open to constructive criticism and always looking for different ideas. I want to hear what you would like us to do. I'm open to suggestions. I want to improve and draw in more people. So if you have an idea, please send it our way. So hopefully, Life settles down, fingers crossed. And now, time for today's topic. We're going to be heading over the Pacific Ocean to the land down under to hear about what is called Australia's most haunted house, the Monte Cristo Homestead in Junee, New South Wales. New South Wales is an Australia state on the East Coast and it's home to uh, the city of Sydney. So most people who aren't super familiar with Australia uh, know at least the the Sydney Opera House. Junie, the town, was founded in 1863. It was originally spelled Junie, J-E-W-N-E-E. Now it's spelled J-U-N-E-E. Juni is, is Aboriginal for Speak to Me. It was also known as Juni Junction or Loftus when it was proclaimed a town in 1883. It's now just Juni. It is a four hour and 30 minute drive from Juni to Sydney and five hours, 30 minutes to Melbourne and two and a half hours to Canberra, according to the Juni tourism page. The history of the homestead surrounds the Crawley family. Christopher William Crawley was born in 1841 in Sydney. 
1862, he married Elizabeth Carr, and they would go on to have six children. The couple moved to Juneau, but it wasn't until 1876 that they bought land. Christopher held two parcels of land on a conditional purchase, one of 400 acres and another 120 acres. Christopher and Elizabeth Crawley built a primitive slab hut on the land. They struggled with farming, however. Christopher Crawley acquired a license and built the Railway Hotel in 1877. It's alleged that Crawley was tipped off that the railway would open in Juneau in 1878. At the time, the only buildings in the village were Christopher Crawley's hotel, the adjoining railway store run by George Dobbins, and a few slab houses and bark huts. But that changed when the railway and Juni began benefiting from the many travelers and the agricultural trade. Christopher Crawley became extremely wealthy and ended up owning nearly the entire area that comprises modern-day Juni. Crawley was held in high regards by all the community. He donated a parcel of land to the church and helped finance the construction of St. Joseph's Church and other important projects. This is when Christopher Crawley built Monte Cristo, which means Mount of Christ. The name was allegedly chosen by Mrs. Crawley. Up until now, the Crawleys lived in a small brick cottage, now called the Original Homestead. Built in 1876, the original homestead later became the kitchen and servants' quarters. Crawley built Monte Cristo to be a symbol of his success. It sat perched on the hill so that Mr. Crawley could survey the town from the second-floor balcony. Their original home, a slab hut, had become servants' quarters when finances improved, and a grander brick replacement was constructed. The slab hut made way for stables to house Crawley's prized racehorses, which coincided with the construction of the dairy and preceded a wood ballroom which stood directly behind the old homestead and was connected to a carbide gas supply illuminating the main house in 1902. Mr. Crawley became much loved for his generosity and sense of civic responsibility. Mrs. Crawley was rumored to be of aboriginal descent, which caused her to be shunned by the people in the town. Christopher and Elizabeth Crawley were a very religious Catholic couple. Elizabeth Crawley usually wore a black lace dress with a stand-up beaded collar and a lace cap. She drove around in her own carriage, pulled by her pony. The carriage is one that, rest- that was restored by the current owner and can be seen there on the property. Staff would later tell stories of mistreatment by their employers, especially Elizabeth. Although Elizabeth Crawley ruled the house with an iron fist, Monte Cristo became one of the area's social centers. They held balls, the local landowners played tennis and golf on Juni, and the surrounding area's first golf course. The Crawleys had seven children. I think earlier I said six. Four girls and three boys that survived. Ethel, their 10-month-old daughter, was killed when a nanny carrying her dropped her down the stairs. We're going to hear a little bit more about that here in a couple minutes. William Christopher Crawley died at Monte Cristo on the 14th of December in 1910 at the age of 69. The cause of death was blood poisoning caused by a carbuncle, or a boil, on his neck, which became infected by a starched collar. 
After his death, it is said that Elizabeth Crawley only left her house twice in 23 years. She turned an upstairs storage room into a chapel where she read the Bible for hours at a time. Elizabeth Crawley died at Monte Cristo on the 12th of August, 1933. She was 92 years old. Her cause of death was heart failure and a ruptured appendix. The last member of the Crawley family moved from the property in 1948, and the house would remain empty for more than a decade. There was a lot of fighting amongst the heirs over who was inheriting. There were several caretakers at the house attempting to keep an eye on things, but they were unable to prevent the place from being vandalized. All the original furnishings were taken out of the house and sold. The house remained in its deteriorating state until it was purchased by Reginald Reg Ryan and his wife Olive in 1963. Reg Ryan had discovered the dilapidated property while he was living in nearby Wagga Wagga, and he spent eight years negotiating with the Crawley heirs to purchase it. All I can think of is Fozzie Bear and his Waka Waka. Wagga Wagga. I'm sorry. Reg Ryan actually bought the house twice. He bought it, gave it back because of legal struggles within the Crawley family, then ended up buying it back again later. The Ryans finally took up residence in the homestead in 1963 for a sum of 1,000 pounds, but they had no idea about its creepy history. The very first supernatural occurrence took place on a foggy evening when the Ryans were driving home from town with supplies. They were halfway up the dirt driveway and stopped their car because there were lights shining from every door and window of the house. That might not seem like a big deal, except the house didn't have any electricity. Reg Ryan assumed that squatters had moved in, but as they drove closer to the house, all the lights went out. Some people say it might have been their vehicle lights reflecting off the windows, but there weren't any glass panes in the windows or the doors at the time. As it turns out, Monte Cristo Homestead has many tragic events in its history, and there's supposedly at least 11 people who have died on its property. One of the ghosts seen at the homestead is the ghost of Mr. Crawley. The ghost is seen in the room where he died, and is said to be a kind spirit. The ghost of Mrs. Crawley is also seen throughout the homestead, but her ghost isn't quite as nice. Her ghost seems to judge the people who enter the homestead, and if you're deemed unworthy of entrance, her spirit attempts to chase you off with a blast of frigid air. It turns out that the history of the Crawley family at the Monte Cristo homestead is a tragic, violent, and potentially evil one. There was some speculation that Mr. Crawley enjoyed the company of his maids, and in doing so, got one of them pregnant. This pregnant maid went to the second-floor balcony and fell to her death onto the steps below. It was originally thought that she committed suicide because of being pregnant out of wedlock, but now, based on the location of where she landed, it's believed that she was pushed. Some say it was Mrs. Crawley who did the pushing because she was angry the maid was pregnant with her husband's child. The steps below where the maid landed and died are now discolored because of the large amounts of bleach that was used to clean her blood from the steps. Some people have reported feeling dizzy when they go out on the balcony, and the spirit of the maid is seen on the balcony walking. 
there was another incident with a maid and an infant. On the staircase inside the house, the maid dropped the Crawley's 10-month-old daughter, Ethel, down the steps, and the child died. The maid claimed that the child was pushed out of her hands, but some people think she dropped the child on purpose. Children who visit the home today become irritable and upset when they enter the stairs. Some guests report feeling as though they are being pushed on the backs, and others claim to feel an ice-cold, tiny hand slip into theirs when they go upstairs. One guest mentioned a child asking for help going upstairs, but after helping her up the steps, she simply disappeared at the top. Another one of the tragedies that happened on the property happened in the stables. A stable boy named Morris, who was about the age of nine or ten, who did chores like feeding the animals and mucking the stalls, fell ill and was unable to work. His supervisor told the boy he didn't really care that he was sick and he needed to get up and go to work. But the boy was too ill to move. So in an attempt to force the boy out of bed, his supervisor set his mattress on fire. But the boy was being truthful. He was sick and he was unable to move to save himself from the flames and died. Today, people report hearing his ghostly screams. The carriages that Reg Ryan has restored are often seen moving about. Others have felt strong feelings of not wanting to go near the stables at all. And if the story of the stable boy wasn't tragic enough, here's the story of Harold Steele. Harold was the son of a housekeeper. At some point, Harold received a head injury in a carriage accident that resulted in his developing mental issues that included issues with aggression. His mother kept him chained to the wall. Poor Harold was chained up for 30 or 40 years. I've seen both numbers. So some say 30, some say 40. At this point, it doesn't matter. 30 minutes is too long to have a child chained up, even if they have some sort of issue. But back then, it was a totally different time, time period. It doesn't ra- really matter. Either way, it was a long-ass time that he was chained to the wall, and he shouldn't have been. His hair was dreadlocked, and he basically had no language skills, since he was alone all the time. He used to make animal noises to communicate with the animals he could hear, and would often be heard howling in the night. The local kids in Junie thought that there was a monster chained in the house, and they would sneak onto the property to take a look. Harold, Harold would growl and hiss at the kids. I'm not going to lie, if I was a kid, I would be one of those kids looking to see what was going on. You got a monster in your house? Well, I need to go check that out. That was my personality then. That's my personality now. So tragically, I know you're wondering how this can be any more tragic than it already is. Boys in an accident, receives a serious traumatic brain injury, becomes aggressive, and is chained to the wall for decades. Well, Harold's mother died. And the townspeople ended up finding Harold there, chained to the wall, in the room with the body of his deceased mother. She had been dead for a few days. Harold was then institutionalized, and he ended up dying not long after. Now guests report the sounds of chains rattling, 
growls, hisses, and howls in that area. More recently, in 1961, Jack Simpson, who was one of the homestead's caretakers, was shot to death on the front porch of the caretaker's cottage by a local man who was inspired by Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. The man watched the movie several times before committing the murder, and then carving the words, Die, Jack! Ha ha ha! On the shed door, where they can still be seen today. All of these events have led to the hauntings today. Psychics that have visited the home say that Mrs. Crawley is the most dominant ghost at the homestead, and her ghost has been seen for years. That's not really surprising, since she seemed to be extremely dominant while she was alive. She's often seen in the room she converted into a chapel. She's described as a figure dressed in black and carrying a silver cross. Her ghost has been known to order people out of the dining room, and when a room suddenly turns ice cold, it's her presence that is felt. There's an apparition of a woman in period clothing seen walking on the veranda. Faces have been seen looking into the second floor windows in areas where there are no balconies. Furniture gets moved around and strange noises are heard throughout the house. Since 1993, the Ryan family has operated ghost tours and overnight stays at the homestead. People who have stayed in the homestead overnight have reported waking up to Mrs. Crawley standing at the foot of the bed. Others have said that they've been pinned to the bed, unable to move. Others have said they've been pinned to the bed, unable to move. Lawrence Ryan, son of Reg Ryan, who restored the house, said, We don't have a week go by without someone having a reaction to the house by either fainting, having an asthma attack, hearing things, or seeing a full-bodied apparition. Some people who stay the night don't actually make it through the night and end up driving into town to stay there. Many of these people mention seeing apparitions of children or servants in their room. Olive Ryan, Red Ryan's wife, says that she had felt a hand on her shoulder on many occasions and has also had her name called when she has been the only person in the house. She said, It's nothing to hear footsteps on the balcony, and you go out, and there's no one there. There are also several stories involving animals that were brought to the homestead by the Ryan family. It seems that someone from the Crawley family wasn't a fan of animals. My guess would be Mrs. Crawley. She just doesn't come across as the warm, cuddly, I love puppies kind of person. When they moved in, the Ryans had a cat that suddenly had all its hair stand on end it went nuts and jumped off the second floor balcony and took off never to be seen again. Similarly, their dog went nuts when brought inside the house and it ran off. The kids one time, and before I go any further, some of this has to do about animals dying, so if you have a problem with that, I would fast forward 30 seconds or so. The kids one time found a stray cat in the stables that was injured. They took care of it, and it ended up having kittens in the house. Each one of the kittens died foaming at the mouth. The mother cat was found in the kitchen, 
Its eyes were gouged out and the belly split open. The house was empty and locked when it happened. The Ryans also set up some chickens in a coop outside on the property. The hens began dying, and they just assumed it was predators. They reinforced the coop and run and got more chickens. Speaking of somebody who has chickens, chickens die. Animals get them all the time. That's what you assume the problem is. So they got more chickens, and the next day they found the coop locked up tight and the necks of all the chickens had been wrung. In addition to the ghost tours and the overnight stays, the property also now has a doll museum run by Lawrence Ryan's wife. Matriarch Olive Lawrence says, Living at the house is like living with another family, except you can't see them. That's going to do it for this episode. I'll be trying to cover some different stories from different areas of the world in the future. If you have any suggestions for any topics in wherever you're living, please send it my way via email at lurkpodcast at yahoo.com or by sending a message to one of the socials. And really, I love suggestions, especially because a lot of times other people know about different topics or different stories that I don't always hear particularly if you live in another part of the world. So don't think that I know it. Don't assume that it's already on a list somewhere. Please send me an email, drop me a direct message. Tell me what you would like to hear about. And as always, you can listen to episodes episodes each week on whichever podcast platform you use, or you can find Lurk at lurkpodcast.com where you you can find all our episodes and links to our social media accounts. We have merch available at lurkpodcastmerch.com. And as a reminder, June 18th, we will have a booth at the East Coast Bigfoot Research Organization's Bigfoot Convention in Staunton, Virginia. I will try to put the link to the site in the show notes It's also on our Facebook page. I'll see if I can get something posted on Instagram and Twitter as well. So there's a lot of speakers lined up. There's a ton of vendors. I think all of their vendor spaces were sold out. So there's a ton of vendors. I think Transformers are going to be there. There's a bunch of food trucks. So there looks like there's going to be quite a bit to do there at that convention. Also, keep in mind, the end of September, I think it's September 24th, whatever that Saturday is, the Bigfoot Calling Festival in Whitehall, New York will happen. Uh, We were there last year, and it was a great time. Awesome festival, very well organized, great people. We had a great time, and it's beautiful right there by the canal. So mark that on your calendar. We're planning on being there as well in September. So that's going to do it. And until next time, keep lurking. Mm